Hello, 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 everyone. This is Sia Knight, and welcome to the podcast, Lessons in Savvy Living. And I am thrilled to be able to bring to you real women, real stories, real lessons. And in a time, as we're recording this right now, we're going through the COVID-19 crisis, the global pandemic. And I said, this is the perfect time for me to relaunch my podcast, to get people on who can come on and, and help us connect with each other. Because I, what I've always wanted for my brand, always wanted for my this podcast is a place for women, especially to be able to connect, learn and inspire each other. So I have just the woman for us today. I have Pam, two M's, McNeil here, and she's going to uh, give us a real, real word about her topic for today. But before we get into the topic, Pam, tell me three things people should know about you. Okay. Um, I consider myself a child of the civil rights movement. I was born in 1961 in Washington, D.C., in what was uh, then Freedmen's Hospital. And I, uh, as a result, you know, I grew up in a household with Ebony and Jet Magazine and the, you know, Black Enterprise and all of the, the changes that we were going through in the 60s and early 70s. Um, unfortunately, uh, the night before my seventh birthday, Martin Luther King was assassinated. And so my seventh birthday was a national day of mourning, at least in the, in the black community. So that's a, a second thing that um, most people may not know, but has mm. framed sort of who I am as a person. And then the third would be that I was raised as a Lutheran. Oh. So, um, and I, as I grew up, we, we celebrated the Reformation instead of Halloween on October 31st, Martin Luther King's, uh, Martin Luther's Reformation. So that kind of tied in with, knowing who Martin Luther King was because he actually was born Mike King and his father changed his name or their names to Martin Luther because he uh, came to know Martin Luther or came to admire Martin Luther as a, as a, a reformer, an advocate, an activist. And so those three, three things kind of really formed uh, who I am. Wow. First of all, happy belated birthday, because uh, April you. 5th is probably your birthday, right? Uh -huh. so, yes. And um, so secondly, I knew that little nugget about Martin Luther King Jr., but most people don't. So yeah. I appreciate that. So that's great. Well, I'm a big history geek. So that's a, that's okay. a, a different thing. Uh -huh. And so thank you so much for, for sharing that. Hopefully the audience will get a deeper sense of who you are and kind of your perspective. Something mm -hmm. else that I want to mention, and I don't know if you plan to mention this, is that you are a Wellesley graduate. Now, those yes, of you all that, I mean, so this woman, this is not someone who is unintelligent. <laughs> she knows her stuff all the way around. And today's topic is home ownership. So the question that I ask is, um, Pam, what's your story? What do you know about home ownership and what, what angle are you going to help our audience with? Well, my story is, is varied. Um, and one of my introductions to home ownership happened at Wellesley College. I majored in economics 
and my economics advisor was uh, Carl Chip Case, and he co-founded the Case Schiller Housing Index, which is used by Standard and Poor's to measure where we stand in the in the housing um, industries. And so that was his that was his interest was housing. It wasn't so much mine. I I, I got a degree in economics. Mm-hmm but I did not want to become an economist when I graduated. Um, in my 20s and early 30s, I did a lot of moving around in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, I lived in uh, Southwest D.C., but on um, G Street Southwest, but in three different places on the same street. Hmm. I then moved to Northern Virginia, and I lived in three different places in the Arlington Bailey's Crossroads area before I finally became a homeowner in my late 30s, um, and I used uh, a nonprofit homeowners uh, program called NACA. It's the neighbor, it stands for the Neighborhood Assistance Corporation of America, N-A-C-A. Okay. And I discovered then, they used to say they were the best mortgage product uh, on the planet or in America, but I did discover through going through the program that it is, in fact, the best mortgage product in America, and I have since used them a second time. So back in my um, in my 30s, I hadn't really considered homeownership because I was doing a lot of moving around. wasn't really sure where I was going to settle. Really wasn't sure if I was going to, you know, be single or or anything like that. Or I had a few friends that a couple of sisters would get together, a couple of um, girlfriends would get together and buy a, a townhome or whatever. I really wasn't sure what I was going to do. But as I was nearing my, my you know, late 30s, it was like, okay, it's time to settle down. It's, it's a good investment, they say, financially. Back then, more so than now, you know, you, you get the tax write-off. There was an incentive there to have a home. And so I signed up for the NACA program. Uh, you have to attend a workshop. That's the only requirement. There's no fees or any cost to you as a, as a, homo, as a potential homeowner. You just have to attend this four-hour workshop. So I attended the workshop. And during the workshop, I discovered that it's going to, it was going to take me some time before I could qualify. Um, over time, the program has developed way back then, which was, I don't want to tell you how many, it was a couple decades ago. <laughs> there were salary um, caps and all kinds of other little things that you had to, um, in specific places you had to purchase and whatnot. Right. But now it's pretty much a national program. What, what does limit, uh, potential buyers is that there is a cap or a ceiling on what they will fund. So if you want to buy, purchase a home that's more than what they will fund, then obviously, you know, it's not going to be something that would work for you, but you have to not own property at the present time. So some people call it a first time home buyers program, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to be first time. You just can't presently own a home or any other property. So, um, I went to the workshop a couple of times, I think, before I really qualified. And one of the times I was paying really close attention and they had a realtor come and sort of tell you, walk you through the process. And I took really good notes. And when I finally found a property that I liked, it had been vacant for a while. And it just so happened that I was now looking, well, let me back up. I go see a counselor and you you bring all of your documents with you Mm -hmm. and they look at your tax returns, your, um, your, um, 
pay stubs, right. your bills and all of that. You sort of lay out your whole life in front of the counselor and they, mm-hmm. they tell you, okay, you need to do this, that, and the other thing. And so in my case, I had missed a payment. I had a late on my credit report and they said, to qualify for the mortgage, you're going to have to have 12 months of no lates. Okay. And so if you, if you miss a payment anywhere in the 12, you got to start the clock all over. So mine had just happened. So they were like, okay, it's going to be 12 months before you can qualify. All right. I'm getting ready. You know, it, it's a, uh, an investment. And so, okay, I'm, I'll, I'll deal with this. Well, six months into that process where I was living, I was living in a townhome and the owners decided to sell. Mm. So my whole thing was, oh my goodness, I don't want to have to move, you know, in a month or two and then move again in another six months or eight months or whatever. So I had been paying attention during this workshop. I had some notes about a a lease purchase or what can also be known as a rent to own. Mm -hmm. And so the realtor that was helping me, uh, we crafted a proposal to the, it was a condo to the condo owner of doing a rent to own because this unit had been sitting vacant for six or seven months. Mm. So it was a benefit to both of us. He was going to get his rent paid. He knew I was in this program. We agreed that he would set aside a small portion of my rent every month to go towards my closing costs. Mm. And um, because in many instances, sellers do have incentives to help with closing so his incentive was, I was, you know, he's going to set aside a portion for closing. And so I moved into this place and um, it took me a little longer than a year because a, a few months after moving in, I lost my job. Oh. And I was unemployed for a few months, but I, fortunately I was able to get another job like within a couple of months, but that just set everything back in you know, a while. So eventually I go to right. the closing table um, and uh, he, he was able to, um, bring the savings that he had been setting aside for me to the closing table. And so I didn't have, I actually walked away from the closing with the check. Mm. Now for people who have never owned a home, what what's really um, unique also about NACA and was great about the program is that most times you almost always have to have some sort of down payment. 3% is like the norm for down payment uh, or the minimal amount of a down payment. Some people say 5%, 10%. Um, but it's unheard of these days anyway, that you have a zero down payment. But with NACA, it's still that way that you can purchase a home with no down payment. So um, if let's just say a $300,000 house, okay, 3% would be $9,000. Mm-hmm. Um, 5% would be $15,000. Um, you don't need that. Okay. Um, with NACA, you don't need a down payment. And because, well, in any time you have a mortgage other than NACA and you're paying less than 20% down, you're going to have what they call private mortgage insurance. Right. It's, it's an insurance for, it's not for you. You don't get the benefits of the, it's also referred to as PMI. You don't get the benefits of the PMI but you have to typically pay it. And it, it ends up being hundreds of dollars every month added onto your mortgage until you have 20% equity in your home. Right. With NACA, you're paying 0% and you pay no PMI. Mm. So again, 
you're going to save hundreds of thousands of dollars over the life of the loan, but you're going to save not having to come up with that nine or 15 or $60,000 if you would have put down 20%. And you're not going to be paying the hundreds of dollars that would be PMI that you would be paying on a traditional loan. The other thing about NACA loans is that they're all fixed interest rates. They're all reputable mortgage companies. So in this area, it's either Bank of America or Citibank. And um, you're not going to pay any closing costs. And so there are closing costs that you will have to pay, but they're, they're your um, prepaids. You will have to prepay your property insurance and you will have to prepay. Um, what's the other one? You'll have to pay for your home inspection and a couple of other things. Right. But the typical, there's a fee to open the loan and there's a fee mm-hmm. that like, usually it's thousands of dollars in closing costs that are bank fees, really. With a NAC loan, the bank is going to pay for its own fees. So there are no costs to you as a NACA homeowner for those things. Um, and the loan is a fixed loan, not a variable loan. So sometimes there'll be people who will say, oh, I can get you into a home and they look at your financial situation and they say this, that, and the other thing. Mm-hmm. And the only way they is they'll get you into a variable for a few months or years or whatever. And then they say, oh, and, it'll, and you know, down the road, down the way, it'll convert over. Mm-hmm. And down the road, down the way, it converts into something that's totally unmanageable and something that you never envisioned. With the NACA product, you're going to have a fixed loan. And it the interest rate is usually three quarters of a percent below whatever the going market rate is. Now, wait a minute. Hold on, Pam. <laughs> this sounds too good to be true. It sounds like it is, but it's not. Okay. It is usually a, slightly below the market rate. So the, the last great benefit for a NACA loan is that you can buy down your interest rate. Hmm. So, for example, I don't know what it is now, but let's just say it's, it was 4%. Mm-hmm. Let's say the market rate was 4%. The NACA loan would probably be like 3.25 if the market was 4. And let's just say you didn't know you were going to have a NACA loan and your, your, your family or you've been real diligent and you've been saving up or you go and, and you find a home where the seller is willing to uh, offer you 3% for your closing costs. You take that money, whatever you might possibly have. And again, with a $300,000 home, mm-hmm. let's say you have 3% um, that the seller is going to offer you or you had saved up ready for you know a, a traditional loan. You can take that dollar and buy down your interest rate. And the 3%, I think, should be enough and don't quote me on this, but it might be enough to buy down a whole percentage point on your interest rate. Mm, So interest rate is going to be 3.25 with NACA. You take your funds and you can buy it down and you can buy it down to 2.25. There have been people, if you you start watching the NACA sites, they post so-and-so close today and their their fixed rate was Mm 0.75. And that's for the life of their loan. So, okay. all right, come on, hold on, Pam. Pam, I'm, I'm going to need some more information about this. Now, first of all, first of all, 
Are you getting, is this a paid testimonial? No, no. Well, I'm getting paid because I'm living in a house oh, okay. that I never thought I could afford. Okay. When I first started lo looking the second time around. So I bought the condo and um, got married, was a, moved to New York, was a long distance landlord. And so it became a little bit much to mm -hmm. be a long distance landlord. And the market just started to do that little uptick it did back before the boom. So I sold my my condo to my tenant. Then I got divorced, moved back here, you know, getting reestablished, you know, wasn't sure if I was gonna live in Virginia or Maryland or whatever. So anyway, second time around, I'm not a homeowner. I'm ready to do it again. I went through 11 offers before I got this, this home that I'm living in now. And when I started out, I had a vision of what I wanted. Another beauty of this, this NAC program is you, they pay for, or they wrap into the loan rehab costs. Mm -hmm. So traditionally, if you're going to go buy a fixer upper, you're going to get two mortgages, the one right. for the property and the second for the, the rehab. And they will probably have different interest rates and all of that other kind of stuff. No, with NACA, they put it, wrap it all into one and um, they walk you through that whole process. So I had envisioned that when I was married, we had rehabbed a home and sold it. And so I was like, mm, I think I could do that again. Um, and so I was willing to invest in a property and put in my finishes and my final touches and things. Mm -hmm. And so um, I started out looking at one thing and the, at the time that I qualified, it was the summer or the spring. Spring, summer is usually busy. Mm -hmm. Every time I put in an offer on a home, somebody else, it was like 10 other people. It was always competitive bidding, and they started bidding over and above the asking price. And so um, the ninth offer, I had gotten approved to bid above list price. I was going to be making improvements. So they, they said that's okay because the ARV, the after renovation value, was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. So I put this bid in, I won the bid, but they require that your contract always say um, it has to be based on an appraisal though. They're not going to pay over and above the appraisal. So we kept waiting for the appraisal, kept waiting for the appraisal and the appraisal came back at the list price, not at the price I bid. Mm. Even though all properties in the area at that time for that summer, they were kind of in that area and that was going to let me proceed because I was doing the improvements and it would probably work out, but they said, you'd have to knock off $5,000 of the things that you were going to improve. And I was like, hold up, wait a minute. Number one, I don't want to pay over the appraised value. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to be paying that much more for a home, it needs to have everything that I wanted in the beginning. So I actually walked away from a contract mm -hmm. and started all over again. Wow. So you have to have patience for this process. With NACA, the catch, it's, it sounds too good to be true. The catch is that, number one, it's a nonprofit. So you're dealing with folks that are lower paid than probably their, their, you know, their cohorts in, in the for-profit world. Mm -hmm. And you're often paid, uh, you're being counseled by people who may not be as experienced. So I've heard stories of people start off with one counselor and by, before they can get to a closing, they've maybe had two or three. Mm -hmm. or they're just a lot of frustration. There's, because I was involved in other um, traditional home loans, I know that the whole home buying process is, is frustrating. 
you know, they're look, they're, they're opening up all of your finances and want to know, well, why did you do this? And why did you do that? And why isn't this paid? And you have to go find all kinds of documents and things. So that's the normal process. NACA, because there are now a third party involved, there's the bank that has its normal underwriting requirements. But then NACA, because they're offering you all these things, they are asking you to do a couple of extra things. Mm -hmm. Um, It can seem as if, you know, uh, some people take it personally and it's nothing personal. The one also great thing about it is you can have a low credit score there, everybody's going to be getting the same offer of the same uh, interest rate. The only differences will be if you bring any additional money to the table and buy down your interest rate. Now, that was going to be my question, Pam, because it sounds it sounds too good to be true still. And so I, you know, I'm thinking, and a lot of people who are here this are thinking, boy, your credit score must have to be three million in order to qualify for this program so bankruptcies you can be a a, uh independent contractor or Mm -hmm. a solopreneur or any of those kind of things they work with you and oh i forgot this too they will fund duplexes triplexes and quadplexes so you can if you're if you're uh the type of person that doesn't mind living in like a four unit apartment building, you is really a smart way to, to go. You buy a four unit building, you live in one of the units and your tenants are going to be paying your mortgage. Right. They teach you how to do that as well. So, um, so in addition to the being able to rehab a property, you can also become a, somewhat of a real estate investor and in, in having a building and, and whatnot. So you don't have to have great credit. You just have to have a ton of patience, 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 perseverance, perseverance, perseverance. And all I kept thinking as I went through the process, particularly the second time around was I kept seeing the dollar signs. I'm like, I already know, you know, the thousands of dollars I didn't have to come up with for down payment, the hundreds of dollars I'm not going to have to pay every month for a um, EMI, the thousands of dollars I'm not paying on for the closing costs, the fact that I'm buying down my interest rate. So in the end, two more contracts later. So the 11th contract I put in over the course of a year, I was able to buy this um, townhome this time. I had started out looking at a townhome with no garage. I, uh, you know, over time I said, I want a, a garage. I went from a one car garage to an, I live in a two car garage townhome. Um, probably, I'm trying to think from when I first started, almost at least 50 to $75,000 more home than I originally had thought about getting for myself because I was able to get that contribution from the seller mm-hmm. and was able to buy down my interest rate. And I know for a fact that what I pay monthly for my home and my neighbors on either side or probably anybody else in this community that does not have a NAC product is probably six, $700 less a month. Well, why don't more people know about this, Pam? What is going on? Well, I think- such a secret. Well, it's it's somewhat of a secret, but people hear about it, 
And then they start talking about all the negatives. Oh, well, I heard somebody, they tried to go through that program and then it just took too long. And what you also have to learn through this whole process is not just patience, but that there's a lot of emotion tied up into homes. Like the one that I walked away from, I, you know, in my mind, I just, I just knew that was my house. And I, you know, just the picture of it, it was, you know, I had even made up little invitations to the open house. It was my home. And I had this vision of what it was going to look like when it was done, but I kept crunching the numbers and the numbers didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So when the numbers no longer made sense, I was willing and able and ready to walk away. And I, I got better. I did better. And so a lot of times people make up in their mind, I'm ready to buy a house and I have to do it in the next three months. Well, NACA is not going to work for you that fast. You will go to your homeowner's workshop and it may be three, four, five months before you get to see your counselor for the first time. And then there's going to have to be the second and probably third time before you're qualified to go out and actually start looking at homes. They do fund new construction. So again, sometimes people ask about that. Well, I want a brand new house. I want a house that's going to be, they fund that. So, you know, but you can't go out and sign any contracts or look at any property until you've been approved by them. And I would say at a minimum, even if every, if you've got spotless credit, mm-hmm. but just no money, it's going to be at a minimum six months, probably more like seven. So if you've got any blips in your, in the road, if you, you know, something shows up that you can't figure out and you've got to go find such and such and whatever, it's going to take a little while. So I would plan on if you're going to go the NACA route, start a year in advance. Some people say, well, I'm not going to look at it yet because I'm not going to be ready for another year. If you think you're going to buy a house in the next year or two, mm-hmm. go to a NACA workshop, get in the, in the pipeline, in the process, because it, that's, it's patience, but you also have to put your emotions you know, in check and know that, okay, it's going to take some time. And they, you will send them documents. They'll, you got confirmation that they got them. And then they'll tell you later on, no, I didn't, you got to send them again. It's just part of the process. Interesting. So, and I heard you talk about rehabbing houses. Now it's good to know that new construction is a possibility as well. Um, Mm -hmm. That's what my question was going to be. Are these particular properties and neighborhoods that need some work and need some help or is, could it just be anywhere? It's anywhere it what what you will find out in your first um, meeting with your counselor, they will tell you how much house you can afford. Mm-hmm. And the NACA um, equation is not based on a a, how, a house number. So I use the example of a $300,000 house, but it's not a $300,000 house that they will qualify you for. What they will qualify you for is let's say a 17 $1,750 monthly payment. Okay. And so you take that and you walk around with that in mind because let's just take an example here in the DMV. $1,750 here in the DMV, a house in DC that's going to have a $1,750 monthly payment may be a higher sales price than that same house in, say, Prince George's County where the property taxes are higher. Mm, okay. Higher so in that 1750, they expect for you to be paying your principal, your interest, your property taxes, and your um, home insurance, your the that are in your escrow. But also, if you are buying in a condo 
community, there may be a condo fee as well. So in that 1750, you may have to subtract out what your condo fee is going to be. So if you have to take into consideration all those things, mm -hmm. you might be able to buy a $300,000 house in DC, but only a $200,000 condo mm -hmm. in Maryland. So that's, they sort of teach you that. It's like, we're not telling you, you can go out and buy a $300,000 house. We're telling you that you, based on your, your budget and your income and all of those things and your debt and, and what you have on your plate, you can afford X amount per month for housing. That's not including your utilities unless it's part of your condo fee. Okay. Mm, this is very interesting. Now, tell me again, it's the Neighborhood Assistance. No, the Neighborhood Associ Assistance Corporation of America, NACA. It's a nonprofit, but it's a dot com. So NACA dot Okay. Because I'm going to look up. I wish I could get a referral fee, but I don't. You know. <laughs> I just, I'm happy to know that people are able to take part of this program. I was able to turn on a lot of folks, including my, my nephew. Um, he and his wife recently purchased a house. Well, it's been a couple years now, but they went through the program. Um, it's, it's, it's like I said, it's the best mortgage product in America, unless you have stellar credit and a whole pile of money saved up. If you've got those two things going for you, you can go out and you can buy anything, anywhere, you know, one, two, three. But most of us are not in that position. Most of us on this call are not in this position. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> so if I'm being, I'm like, hmm, two years out. Let me see. I think that, I think I'm going to do a little bit of research. Thank you so right. much. You go, go in and see the counselor. So you lay out what you're, where you are and what's going on with you and they can put you you know, in the proper perspective of what to do. And a lot of times people have unique situations like uh, this person is, is living with me or whatever. When you at the workshop, different things they will say will light up for you. Well, well what about me? I'm one of those people and I need to know. So that's why you need to meet with a counselor to get a sense of what's, how do I need to get my ducks in a row get my situation straight so I'm ready when I'm ready. Well, I tell you what, you have given us a word today. You saw I've been taking notes on my little post-it notes <laughs> and I've got some, some, some research and some work to do. What would you say is your number one lesson after having gone through this process a couple of times? If someone's listening to this and they say, well, gosh, you know, Pam, I want a house. What, what's the number one lesson that you would give? That home ownership is an investment in your community. It's not just an investment in your home, your sanctuary, uh, an investment for your family, but it's an investment in the community. One of my other little favorite um, soap boxes to stand on is people are always complaining, not always, and not all people, but people often complain about our public school systems. Okay. In other communities, they understand how their property, their home ownership is tied directly to that school down the street mm -hmm. and how vitally important it is for them to be involved in that school and the school community, whether they have kids or not, mm -hmm. because a good school increases your property, property value goes up. Yes. And what we often don't 
recognize is we're paying the property taxes. If you're a homeowner, you pay property taxes, whether you send your child to that school or not. So whether you have kids in the school or not, you're paying a good substantial part of your property taxes are going to fund those schools. So you are an owner of that school and that school system. And so you are investing in your community. Your property taxes not only pay for the school, they pay for the libraries, they pay for the police, they pay for the fire, they pay for the EMTs, the bus, all, you know, the local government. You are invested in the community for real, for real, when you're a homeowner. Mm-hmm. And that's who our government listens to primarily are the people who are paying. And so when you're a renter, you're paying because you're paying the rent. And the rent is paying that, that landlord's mortgage if or whatever, or probably paying their property taxes, but you're indirectly paying. It's when you're a direct payer that you really have a say in the system. And so we often gripe and complain about what's not going on in our community, what we don't have in our community. But once you are a homeowner, number one, you've, you're planting roots. As I said initially, I didn't buy a home when I was very transient. I was moving from, yeah, I was on the same street, but I moved three times. Great. So I, I wasn't going to, you know, I didn't plant my roots. So once you plant your roots, you are invested in that community and you now have a much more, um, you have a stake, you have a, a bigger stake. We, it shouldn't be that way, but that's the way the system's set up. So that's a, a reason or a, a a push for why you should. And then once you are, you have to remember that you own and, and you're a steward of that property and you have to keep it up. That's the other thing, the difference between when you're a renter and you're an owner. When you're a renter, you can call somewhere and tell somebody something's broken and somebody's going to come and fix it. When you're an owner, it's your responsibility. to. You might not personally have to fix it, but you're going to have to call whoever. You're going to have to pay whoever. You're going to have to make sure that you keep up your property. So, but you're invested in it now. You're a stakeholder. That is, that is amazing. I, I, again, you have uh, not only given me some information, some practical information is also it inspiration, which is what I, I told you I wanted to kind of be a focus. I wanted this podcast to, to not only to teach, but also to inspire. And now I'm inspired because I'm going to go to NACA.com and get myself some information about home ownership. And I I really appreciate it. Pam, tell us um, kind of what, if somebody wanted to reach out to you um, and where would they find you and why would they reach out to you? Because who are you in this world? What are you doing? Is there any any reason why someone would say, hey, Pam McNeil, as as opposed to just kind of um, saying, oh, I I remember that lady from the podcast. Okay. um, I am in the midst of this epidemic, uh, the world being like we've never seen it before. Uh, If people don't recognize it now, we're in the midst of a transformation the world will probably never be like we remember it having been. I'm in the midst of a transformation as well. And so I've been uh, doing some things and I'm ready to, you know, uh, roll with it. Um, I'm a writer. I'm a speaker. 
and I'm an activist. And um, my website is down right now, so I can't, can't drive anybody there at the moment. But you can find me on Facebook. Um, look for me. It's Pam with two M's, and it's McNeil, M-C-N-E-I-L. And you can also email me if for any reason you have any questions about NACA. Feel free to email me. Uh, got, you would like me to speak on that or anything else. Um, uh, youth development is one of my things. If you have any young ladies that you think are ideal for Wellesley College, I'm an alumni recruiter for Wellesley. You might want to reach out to me for that. Or the college admission process. I don't know what's going on right now when schools are all shutting down. Mm-hmm. Um, but, oh, I can tell you this, though. If you have a high school senior, who is looking for money for their first semester of their college, which will be this fall. You have until May 8th. Um, and if they live in Washington, D.C., Prince George's County, Alexandria, Arlington, or Fairfax County, you can apply to the Alfred Street Baptist Church Foundation for scholarships. And um, just go to alfredstreet.org and then look for the foundation and their scholarships there. Um, I serve on the board of that foundation and you do not have to be a member of the church, but it's the, the scholarships are all need-based. So, okay. well, that's good to know. And did you know I'm a member of that church? I don't know if you remember that. No, I, I didn't know that. See, look at what that. Are you in, so we'll talk about that next time. <laughs> See, that's how I would know. Yes. I'm, a, I, I'm an inactive member of VOT, but I've, I've been on the board of the, um, or been with the scholarship committee and now recently on the board of the foundation since I'm wonderful years ago. Wonderful. So yes, we'll, we'll catch up about that a little bit later, but I want to say thank you to my special guest, Pam McNeil, and I appreciate you sharing the information on NACA and sharing of yourself. And I look forward to seeing and hearing more from you on Facebook. Um, I'm sure you're going to do some Facebook lives to give information and to share your gifts. Yes, before the month is out because you've done such a wonderful job here. So thank you so much, Pam. And until next time, everybody stay savvy. Bye.